Man, my, he's my frailest friend, Ricky. Oh, greetings from, can I, can I just extend greetings from uh, all your sister churches throughout the western U.S.? There's eight, eight and growing. Um, they're full of congregations just like you, full of people just like you. Uh, maybe they're not all, te- you're the only Texan church in the western region, that's right. I learned that you're in Texas um, at the last service. I'm going to watch my words carefully. Um, and, and, and I'm so encouraged every time I'm here. This time again, i just thrilling to watch God at work in here. But, it, but if you're unaware, it might not be so obvious. Uh, you, might, you might not be aware how much uh, your church is affecting other churches, your sister churches. It, 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 you're a life-giving presence in our little family of churches and Sovereign Grace Church, and particularly in the West. If, Ricky's writing. He's my most creative friend. Uh, uh, he's uh, serving church, uh, all our churches in church planning. I can go down the list. Todd, traveling the world, especially India. Don't want to go there again with Todd. Todd will go for us. Uh, John and his music. Alec holding down the fort. Uh, and, and listen, and Chuck and Joe, and I, I, don't, I see Chuck, I lost Joe, um, your pastors. Just so you connect the dots, uh, there is a church in, in Orange, California, which is in Orange County. I know it's confusing, one block off of Orange Street. It's really confusing. Um, um, but there's a church in Orange, and there's a church now in Santa Ana, California, three miles away from there, and there's about, Lord willing, there's about to be a church as close as we can get to Disneyland up in Anaheim. So take that one and enjoy it. Visit them when they, when they open up. Uh, but there are churches spreading in, in California, and, and I would say, you, you probably already assume it, there aren't many gospel-proclaiming faithful churches in my cities and the cities around us, and, and you, played a, you play a big part. You played a big part. Humanly speaking, we wouldn't be there if you weren't here and you weren't doing what you're doing. And, and especially think about guys like uh, Pastor Chuck and Pastor Joe, who for decades believed that we would be better together. In some ways, we're an orange as a result of that conviction. And I do think we're better together. And so I'm so grateful for you guys. Please feel our affection. And, and you're also the coolest church, even though I think you guys say you're a little bit gritty, but you're the coolest church. I'm, I, I was sent from Orange, which our team loves you guys and loves your team. I was sent from Orange to steal as much swag and stuff as I can find, I'm taking signs off the wall. I'm just cramming it in. I'm going to check two bags at the gate. Uh, we just, we just love you guys. So thank you, personal thank you. Um, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 20, the Gospel of John chapter 20, going to read from the English Standard Version. If you're new around here, that's the version, the translation they read from John chapter 20, and I'm going to answer a question. Here it is right up front while you're finding your text. I'm gonna, I, w- I want to answer, why do you live in El Paso? Why do you live in El Paso and not in Las Cruces? Some of you do live in Las Cruces. There you go. Uh, why, don't, why, don't, why don't you live across the border? Why don't you live over in Dallas? Why don't you live in my fair country, the communist nation of California? Why, why do you live here? Why do you live here and not there? Wherever that there is for you. You, you may be a long way from home. Uh, El Paso might not have been on your bucket list, your wish list, might not have been in your top three choices. I think it's fair to assume in a room this size, some of you, whether out loud, everyone aware, or secretly, you're just counting down the days. I'm, I'm hoping to go somewhere else. 
wherever that wherever else is for you. And there is a church going to start in Disney near Disneyland. No. We all have really complicated stories. Grass is always greener on the other side. And you might not even feel like you had a choice. You're just here. You're just here. But listen, this is, this is what we're going to get to this morning. That's not true. That's not true. None of us are ever just here, wherever our here is. And I want to take you to the place where the most important man who has ever lived in the history of the world gathered with the 10 men who knew him best and answered the why here question once for all for everyone who would follow Jesus ever since. It's a, it's a private moment before we read it. It's a private moment. All, all the, the, the 12 disciples there except for Judas and Thomas and Christianity, you could say, kind of could describe it as Christianity is just, just like 24 hours old. It's brand new. And this is the mandate. This is the mandate that would set the compass, the, the coordinates for every person who would ever follow Jesus ever since. It's the commissioning it's a commissioning of the church, which spread then from Jerusalem to Judea to the ends of the earth, even all the way to El Paso, even if you could imagine to California. If you'd look with me, John chapter 20, beginning with verse 19, I'll read, then pray, follow along. Verse 19, John writes, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be to, with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it's withheld. Very words of God, would you pray with me? Father, Father, thank you for your book. Feed us this morning, nourish our souls, quench our thirst for meaning and purpose. Would you anchor it in this? Like a lamp, illuminate our paths. Make sense of our place on planet Earth. Grant peace for those who are restless. Breathe life into our hearts as we live for you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, my whole entire sermon in a sentence. I'm trying to be creative like your pastor, Ricky. One sentence, here it is. The whole thing up front. You're going to wonder why it takes me so long to explain it. Uh, it and it's going to sound familiar because I'm stealing it from another verse. And I'm just twisting it a little bit. But here it is. Why, the answer to the question, why do you live here? Why do, why do you live here? Especially as it relates, if I could just say, to evangelism, mission, uh, as a local church. Familiar Bible verse? Going to twist it a little. Here it is. Why? For Jesus so loves El Paso that he sent his one and only cross of grace to El Paso. Not to condemn El Paso, 
but in order that El Paso might be saved. Let me say that again. For Jesus so loves El Paso that he sent his one and only cross of grace to El Paso, not to condemn El Paso, but in order that El Paso might be saved. Listen, before us is an eyewitness account of one of only 10 appearances by the risen Lord. This is just one of 10. Everything we read occurring in a private room, the doors are locked, and inside are 10 grown men. Get this, 10 grown men cowering in in fear. They're afraid. That's how it's described. These are 10 fearful men in hiding, which is so curious. If you just stop right there and say, one of the earliest snapshots of the church, right at the beginning, is of the church being fearful of the world. They're afraid of the world. You might you might recognize this passage. It's a familiar one, but you might recognize it as a four, if not five, of the Great Commission passages. Most people know the, the Matthew 28, you know, go and make disciples of all the nations, Great Commission passage, but there are actually more of them. There's Luke 24, Acts 1, uh, possibly Mark 16, and this one, our text, all of which occur post-resurrection, all to groups rather than individuals. That's what we're seeing here. And all delivered by Jesus himself. It's only Jesus that teaches the Great Commission himself. And that, that when you stitch them together, watch it here. If you stitch them together, these four or five Great Commissions, each with their own nuance and accent, fills out for us a eternal, in this age, mandate for the church like, which, which states in no uncertain terms is true for your church, for my church, for all churches, that not only have we been crucified to the world, we're dead to the world, but also that we've been raised with Christ to new life for a new purpose. Here's our mission, the Great Commission, to be sent back into the world as ambassadors, representatives of Jesus, that he might save more people like you and me. As Christians, we are sent not, we, are, we are not of, but sent into the world, right? Emphasis on sent, you know that passage. Because to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, is by definition to be a person who exists, you might say, to create more Christians. Okay, that's the Great Commission. But now, if there are four or five of them, right? What is it about this one, this John's articulation of the Great Commission that adds to our understanding of our mission, your mission, as it applies to us as individuals and families and households and congregations to state it again as only John does, only John does it as I began, for Jesus so loves El Paso. That's, what, that's what's here in this text. For Jesus so loves El Paso that he sent his one and only, and you could fill in your blank, fill in your name, to El Paso, not to condemn El Paso but in order that El Paso might be saved. You didn't see it in the text, but it's there. Look with me, verse 21 again. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Here it is. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And how did the Father send Jesus? You know the text. It's 316. It's what I've been playing with earlier in the same book. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Hmm. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Listen. 
Listen, God has sent you. That's the answer to the question. God has sent you to El Paso, although some of you might not even have been El Paso, but you're sent into El Paso, not of El Paso, for the sake of El Paso. Feel the gravity and the, the complexity, the urgency, the responsibility of your purpose as a church, as individuals. It's not a program. It's not a motto. It's not something you, well, you can put it on swag, but it's not, but it's not a bold plan for 2024. 20, you are the very means through which Jesus has planned to continue his redemptive work in El Paso. Andreas J. Kostenberger, okay, he's got a, he, he is a, a scholar, he's got an umlaut in his name, whatever that means, but an umlaut, so we should pay attention. Here he goes. He, he, here's what he says about this, this right here in this text. He says, being a Christian is defined by Jesus in his teachings after his resurrection. So get that. So being a Christian, what it means to be a Christian as taught by Jesus after his resurrection, here's what he says, is defined as obeying the Great Commission. Go looking. That's what he talks about. It's about obeying the Great Commission. It's the mandate, he writes. It's the mandate that defines the very existence of his followers. We, we join, if you're a Christian, we join Jesus in his great mission, which is the focus of all of human history. And in fact, in a, in a wonderful condescension, the mission of the exalted, risen Jesus is carried out through us, you and I, his followers, his church. We who believe get swept up into his plan, the Father's eternal plan of redemption. We are co-opted into his mission. We are recruited to be part of his mission to reconcile to himself people from every nation and state, even Texas and California. Both of us are going to be there in the end. You have been sent to El Paso by Jesus. Why are you here? You've been sent. That's the answer to the question because Jesus sent me. That one works every time. Allow me to show you. I love this passage. I love this great commission passage. Let me show you as we follow the text, just three points. First one, we are sent on his mission. It's his mission. Watch, not our mission. Verse 20, it's his mission. Jesus came, John writes, and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed him his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. There's no explanation. Notice, there's no explanation how Jesus got in the room. The door was locked. Jesus is in the room. Only that prior to his arrival, and theologians, it, you might wonder, like, is he, can he pass through walls? We don't know, but he's in the room. He's in the room. They're now with Jesus, and they're glad. You can't, can't overstate that. It was truly Jesus. They, he showed them the scars. Now look, verse 21. Jesus said to them again. He repeats himself. Peace be with you. Why? It's like a, a, spo a word spoken twice. Infinite meaning. Just loaded with meaning. Peace between you and God. Peace between you and all the other people in the room. Peace between you and your, your own soul. No more condemnation. It's finished. No war. No wrath. Just rest. Only rest. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, 
Jesus says, even so, I'm sending you. Now keep in mind, this is God himself, the son, on his way to returning to the father after suffering a shameful, painful, humiliating death. The the atonement is now complete. It is finished, no more. Yet not, no one is more aware in this very moment of his impending departure than Jesus. He will be soon seated in heaven beside the Father, inaugurating the church age and his reign over heaven and earth where we're all gonna follow him. And so then he commissions, that's what's happening here. He commissions these 10 and us, we're in view here, to imitate him. Their sending and our sending, Jesus says, will be like his sending. Our mission will be his mission. It it takes like a a cruciform shape, form, a, a, a cross shape. We're ambassadors taking up our cross now as he took up his cross for the same joy. It's interesting. Here's part of when you talk about the Great Commission, joy is just woven in an intricately attached to the Great Commission. Jesus prays that much just prior to this text in in chapter 17. There's this high priestly prayer, if you've heard about it, where it's God talking to God. It's Jesus, the Son, talking to the Father. It's God talking to God. And and it's just like, and what Jesus says is, he's praying to his Father. He says, but now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that I that they may have my joy in themselves. It's about joy. And then he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Mm, If he's going to pray for anything, this is interesting. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. So interesting. Jesus never prays. And that's a dangerous thing to say. But but here he, he doesn't pray. Father, take my people, take my people out of this God-forsaken, terrible, horrible, no good, you fill in the blank of whatever you don't like about the world today and the culture today, take them out of that. No, he prays instead, keep them safe because you're sent. Keep them safe while they're still here, even in El Paso. So, so much so is our, our purpose, your purpose in this life designed to complement and imitate his purpose that Jesus goes around saying during his earthly ministry, he goes around saying things like, whoever receives the one I send receives me. He, he identifies that closely with you. If you receive one of you, they've received me. And just to be clear, Jesus is the ultimate sent one. We're sent, but... He's the one, he was sent to do what we couldn't do. Uh, Not for ourselves, not for our spouse, not for our children, our church, our neighbors, our coworkers, whoever it is, not for this world. You can't live the gospel. The gospel is something that happened, that is being announced. Yet our role in God's mission today, listen, our role in God's mission today is in continuity. That's the point with the mission of Jesus himself. The the followers of Jesus are sent by Jesus into the world just as God the Father sent Jesus, his son, into the world. We form a continuation that hasn't been unbroken. Initiated by the Father, who is a sender by nature, 
sending his son, Jesus, in order that he, Jesus, might save some out of the world, right? And when I say the world, I mean the totality of humanity that is warring against fallen mankind, the great mass of humanity, which includes California in this one. The world is, part of it is California. Uh, Great mass of humanity that's warring against God. Warring against God. The countless the countless number of people perishing today, even in El Paso, living in utter darkness. We sang it this morning. I love that your church sings, you sing songs people can get saved to, just singing the song. I love it. But today in El Paso, thousands, ten thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have woke up this morning in utter darkness broken by their sin, imprisoned by their own passions and cravings and desires and regrets. And you have been sent. That's why are you here? You have been sent into their lives. And their city, and their coffee shops, their schools. Not to begin a new ministry, right? some new radical way to serve our city, but to continue his ministry, first and foremost, who was, not, was sent not to condemn the world, but rather that some of them might be saved. Now, I know, again, we all have complicated stories. I do too. I'm not from California, if you can tell. I'm from the hills of Pennsylvania. I'm a hillbilly. But I know, and I know, I didn't intend to live in California, and many of you did not intend to live in El Paso. Even if you were born here, you might be wondering, should I leave here? There might be something there. And there is a church, did I mention, starting in, uh, and I'm joking. I'm <laughs> joking. You might be leaving soon. I'm not arguing for you to stay, necessarily, or to go. God, God calls people to leave for all kinds of reasons. And if, if your history is anything like our history as a local church, you're going to be known for the people you send, not the people you keep. That list is going to just keep growing. You're, however, this, this much is clear for all of us. No matter why you arrived, this is your answer Today, because you're still here in El Paso, even if the truck's parked outside with all your stuff in it, you're still here in El Paso for this season, for this time, for this assignment, for this tour. You're here because the Son of God has sent you here, each and every one of you, many of you for your entire lives, some of you just for a few months, not to condemn El Paso. And you can imagine your brothers and sisters in Simon Grace Church of Old Town Orange, not to condemn California. Not to condemn them. But so that some of them might be saved. Salt and light. Like, like Jesus, you're the fragrance, you're the fragrance of forgiveness everywhere you go. The Apostle Paul writes that to the Corinthians. He says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, even when it doesn't feel like it's triumphal. He leads us in triumphal procession. I always picture it like a bulldozer in my town, just rolling through town. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. That's you. It's you for the rest of your life, wherever you live, every day. 
The mission of Jesus defines every ministry at Cross of Grace. Every mission of every Christian, of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every year, of every assignment, whatever it is to, to the, your end or the end of the world, this is the answer to our question again and again. And practically speaking, I just give you some counsel here. The sooner we embrace it, the sooner you embrace it. You own it. The sooner your life with all its twists and turns and disappointments and strange occurrences that put you in places like El Paso or Orange, California makes sense. Talk about peace. This is why I'm here. Even if I didn't pick it. I don't know how you pick a place. I always hear people in California, oh, I picked it because of the beach. And unfortunately, the beach is lost on my family. We don't go to the beach very often. Where they, pitch, they pick it for whatever reason for a job, and then they lose your job. It, it just keeps cycling around and around. Always got a new reason to live somewhere or go somewhere else. Listen, no one else can do what you have been sent here to do in this moment. I'm leaving. I gotta get back to the like endless summer cool breezes and <laughs> I got multiple people saying, I hope it's not too hot out there in El Paso. That's how they picture you guys. So, like, how are you getting back? Do they have a stage coach? What's going on? They're asking me. My kids are worried I'm gonna get stuck out here. It's gonna take months to get back. <laughs> I'm going. You're staying. El Paso is your city, not mine. And Jesus so loves El Paso. You fill in the blank. Your school. Your family. You might be here in some way, even if, if you don't think it's the original region. So for some reason, you've you got a lot of family here. And that makes things even, your life even more complicated. God so loves El Paso that he gave you that whoever would believe in him, not you, but him, Jesus, that they would not perish but have eternal life. And here's the kicker. I, for me, I don't know about you, and, and 2024 is going to be a fun year politically, all those things going on there. Don't turn on your TV. Listen, but the, here's, the, here's the kicker, at least if you were where I am. Here's the kicker. For Jesus did not send cross of grace to condemn El Paso. Even if you disagree with them. And I'm guessing some of you disagree with some of the other people in El Paso. He sent you that some of El Paso might be saved. Why do you live here? Why here? Listen, the answer works every time because Jesus so loves El Paso that he sent me. <laughs> it's his mission, which has become by grace your commission. Number two, second point I want to make here in this passage. Not only is it his mission, but it's his power. We're sent under his power. If you look back at verse 22 again, John writes, and when he had said this, that I'm sending you like the Father has sent me, when he had said this, verse 22, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit on the very day of his resurrection. Listen, he came to them as if they were imprisoned, and they really were, locked the doors, gripped by their fears, and he breathes on them. 
It says, receive the Holy Spirit. One, one scholar writes about this. This is what he says. The very first thing Jesus did, and pay attention, right? The very first thing Jesus did immediately after he was resurrected from the dead and united again, they're all together again, united with his followers, was to pass on to them. The first thing he did was to pass on to them as a gift from the Father the very same power Go back and look, read your gospel again and catch how many times it talks about the Spirit in Jesus. The very same power in which he lived and triumphed and broke the bands of his own human limitations. Listen, Jesus, in his humiliation, his earthly ministry, he was fortified and energized by the continual infusion, the continual filling of the power of the Spirit of God, even as the Son of God. And this breathing here like, was like, like the washing of his disciples' feet. It was, it, he's acting out a parable, teaching and prefiguring what would occur after his ascension, after he left. Why? Because all of us, we are in desperate need if we're going to complete his mission his power. We have to have it. We need power. People don't naturally do things like this. You don't naturally go. You stay. You hide. You're afraid. We preserve. We protect. We hoard. If you're a Californian, you recycle. <laughs> but Christians... Christians say, here I am, send me. How, why? Because Christians have been empowered by the Spirit of God. Christians are breathed on by God. The promise, it's straight out of Acts chapter one, another great commission text. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus said, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This, this power is the power to multiply. The power to, that leads to multiplication is what drives our mission. It's, it's how disciples are made, not by being creative, not by having good strategies, not by making a map of El Paso and trying to figure out where we all should be. But no, it's this, because we're naturally consumers and customers. We take and take and consume. But when you receive the Spirit, you become a little bit more like God, who's a giver. You become an ambassador, salt and light, a sacrifice. You Somehow inside me, I find this power and will to give up in order that others might receive. Think about it. There, there are no Bible verses. We're, we're Sovereign Grace churches. We're a family of churches, and we love the ones we're with. We're a small but happy band of churches and congregations around the world, and we have a value that we hold dearly, and I know you do to church plant. I love your vision for church planting, establishing new churches, but think about it. There are no verses in your Bible that commands you to start new churches. There's no instruction. You need to start new churches every one to three years, whatever, five years. You gotta start new churches. And without context, you would kind of assume, because you don't find that in your Bible, that, that you're the last Christian church on earth. 
This is it. It ends here. This is the end of the road. Yet when the disciples, this is what happens in context. When the disciples hear the commission and receive the spirit, they, are, they, they begin immediately to multiply. They go right out of Jerusalem. The impulse turns from staying and hiding and locking the door to going. From what about me? This is what happens when God breathes on you. What about me? To what about them? What about them? That's the power at work in you, in us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. We identify with the world as he identified with us. We find compassion for people that are not like us and who are suffering. We endure hardships and we endure scorn and we're accused of, in California, we're accused of hate speech, but it does not deters us. We lay down our preferences. We lay down our priorities. We serve, we die to ourselves that, and live for others. Listen, you can live for the world. You can love the world like Jesus loves the world. Still be hated, they're not gonna like you back if you live under the power of the Holy Spirit. You can, you can say no to a job that pays more money, but robs you of your time with your family and your spouse maybe and uh, your church and your brothers and sisters. You can do that under the power of the Spirit. It won't last long without it. You could choose to invest in relationships with people who don't entertain you. I like people who make me laugh. You can, your pastors make me laugh a lot. You can, tr- you, can, you can choose to invest in relationships with people who don't entertain you, but rather require effort and patience, and you gotta have a little thick skin, and you're gonna have to look over a bunch of stuff because the, people are needy and broken, right, and difficult to love under the power of the Holy Spirit. You can trust Jesus when it begins to feel like your family, whatever it is, your household, whatever it is you're responsible for, you can trust Jesus when it begins to feel like you're being exposed to the world in unhelpful ways because you've, been, you've invited the lost into your life and around your table. And you might be thinking to yourself, what if these, all these worldly people corrupt my family. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be wise, okay? I'm not saying you shouldn't be wise, but the one thing that dispels that fear, that can open up your front door and welcome people in, just like our Savior did, welcoming us in, the one thing that will dispel that fear when you lay your life on the line is power. This kind of power, the power to engage the world in a meaningful, sacrificial way, a personal way, and yet not be overcome by it. Allow, allow God to breathe on you. Listen, if, if you're struggling with a love for El Paso, just the neighbor across the street who's blocking your driveway, whatever it is, you, having a party late at night, and you're struggling with it, listen, allow God to breathe on you again. Fill you with his spirit. So that instead of fear or just low-grade aggravation and frustration, you'd have love, boldness, courage, perseverance. The the Holy Spirit will strengthen you as you live on mission here, his mission in El Paso. Listen, you got nothing to fear. God's with you and he's in you. I love this passage. It might be our most, and it's one of our values, one of our most charismatic Great Commission passages. Let him breathe on you. We don't make, listen, we don't go and make disciples 
because we're extroverts. Like, let the extroverts go. We'll stay behind. We go and make disciples because we're filled with the power of the Spirit of God. Number three, last one, number three. We're sent on mission, on his mission, under his power, with his gospel. This is the best part, verse 23, look with me. Verse 23, his gospel. If you forgive the sins of any, verse 23, they are forgiven. If you hold, withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Has that passage not confused you in the past? It has for me, it perplexed me. If I forgive the sins of any, right, they are forgiven them. If I withhold forgiveness, they are, then it is withheld. Listen, listen. <laughs> And this is going to be the best part. Listen, you see, you and I have been sent to declare God's forgiveness, right? To proclaim the gospel. It's our mandate. It's our calling. It's what makes the mission Christian, let alone great. Because lots of people have missions to do things for people, but ours is to proclaim forgiveness for sins. It's what makes it Christian. And it's not everything we do, but it is the most important thing. The one thing we can do, that you can do, there are all kinds of things everybody can do and that you can do in the city of El Paso and in your community, but this one thing only you can do and other gospel-proclaiming churches can do in El Paso, no one else on earth, not the members of my church, not me, not my family, no one else on earth can do this here in El Paso. You have been given the authority, it's delegated authority. You have been given the authority to proclaim to say, sir, your, your, your sins are forgiven. Your, you have been forgiven on account of your confession of faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. You also have been given the authority, and, and you say this whether you realize it or not, you're not forgiven. You're not right with God because you've rejected him and what he's offered you. Listen, this is so important. If, it's, if the text has perplexed you, by, to get it clear, by the, time, by the time you declare forgiveness, they've already been forgiven. That's the trick. By the, by the time you declare forgiveness, they've already been forgiven. This is why you hold public worship services. This is why when you experience the new birth, and you become a Christian, you confess Jesus as Lord, you stand in the water of the baptismal, and you tell El Paso that you have been united with Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection, you're saying you can be forgiven for all your sins. It's why you own this building. By God's grace, what a gift to steward. It's why you live on whatever your street name is or your apartment complex or your job or that golf course, whatever your hobby is or your schools or the team you root for. It's not that you forgive their sins. This isn't about you forgiving them. You're here in this place to testify to the one who does forgive sins and to proclaim what God has done when you see it. This is, this is your authority, a delegated authority, for you have been entrusted with that which is of forever first importance, the gospel. The gospel, your neighbors, your classmates, your, this, the school you go to, when you see they have trusted Christ, they've repented of trying to make themselves right and instead accepted the one that holds all righteousness. You pronounce 
of the gospel. You pronounce forgiveness. God's offering every one of us forgiveness for every sin, past, present, and future on account of, of oh, the sacrifice of his son as we sung this morning. If you're not already, if you're not, and listen, here's how the math works. If you're not ready to receive this forgiveness and not ready to forgive others, this is the math in the Bible. This is how important forgiveness is. Then, then you might not be a Christian. For forgiveness is everything Jesus was about and why he came and his mission. And then you can feel the, the dignity again, the gravity again of why you live in El Paso, the responsibility you have that I don't have. You are engaged in the ministry of Jesus Christ in El Paso. It's not your agenda. The outcome, the outcome does not depend upon you. But Jesus says, Matthew 28, you know this one. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore to El Paso. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know this text. Teaching them to observe all I've commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. On the authority of Jesus Christ, you and I have delegated authority this morning to say, turn away from your sin. Turn away from whatever the world is offering you. It wars against God. And against your soul. I love that song we sang this morning. Warring against your own soul. Turn away from your rebellion and flee to Christ and you will be saved. Why are you here? Listen, you're here to live in such a way in your neighborhood. I don't know what your neighborhood is called. Whatever your neighborhood is called. Wherever you live in El Paso. You're here to live in such a way to play your sports in such a way, to shop and pay, be patrons in the restaurants and the stores in such a way that the world observes and hears that you can be forgiven for all your sins. You can be forgiven for all your sins as I'm filling up my shopping cart or I'm at Home Depot. Somehow, some way, I exist here at my, whatever, five Home Depots in Orange, California. You're, I'm there, I'm there to say you can be forgiven. Now watch, watch how this all collides. You're here this morning. And you're maybe not sure why you're here because you're not forgiven. You're not sure you believe any of this. Those songs were really awkward. <laughs> Whatever. You were tricked. I always say, it sounds so stupid, I say your parents drug you here, but I don't mean drugged as in like medication. <laughs> Though they could have, but <laughs> speak to Pastor Ricky afterwards. <laughs> Your life collides with hundreds of people in this room who for whatever reason are here in the same city you're in and on this property and in this building for the same reason that we just watched Jesus commission that you can be forgiven for your sins. That's why they're here. That's why your parents are here. It's not because they grew up here or were born here or they're in the military or doing something at the border or whatever it is underneath it all. They're here because Jesus sent them here. Not to condemn you. 
apart from Christ, we're all condemned. That's not going to point any fingers. We're going to make an appeal. You can be forgiven for all your sins. You're here and you trust Christ and your forgiveness for all your sins. Go home, you know, go home, walk into your door, whatever it is, your apartment. Maybe some of you live in a van down by the river. I don't know. <laughs> they do at the beach. Go home. Get on your knees and thank God for sending you to El Paso. Don't mean that you don't have other preferences. And you might only be here for another week. I don't know. Go home and thank him for sending you to El Paso. It's good Mexican food. I agree. You beat us on that one. And embrace El Paso as your mission field. So many of you have. I love this about you. But in this season of life, as long as he has you here in El Paso, with everything you got, settle it in your heart. Settle it in heart. Embrace. Stop searching all over Zillow. <laughs> and embrace the mission. Jesus so loves El Paso that he sent you to El Paso. Not to condemn El Paso, but that El Paso might be saved. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this church that lives and proclaims your gospel. They, they live to proclaim your gospel and they're embracing it and they're living for you and you have sent them here and it brings, well, it brings me joy. It brings my church joy. It brings all the sister churches much, much joy. We've entered into your joy as we watch them pledge their lives for the salvation of some here in this city. Oh, meet them. Meet them in this. Give them grace to cherish and embrace their calling. Father, thank you for saving us. Would you save more in Jesus' name? Amen. 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 So good to be with you.